الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين The aspect of Alhamdulillah was discussed in this was the issue of shukr, the ibadat of shukr this is an expression of the shukr of Allah Ta'ala on this note one very great amal that amal is the muraqaba of shukr a very very effective amal for many great bounties that come from Allah Ta'ala one is we discussed yesterday la in shakartum la azidan lakum the more a person makes shukar Allah Ta'ala promises Allah will increase the ni'mas and bounties but to the extent that a person immerses himself with shukar this is a means of gaining the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala when a person gets deeper in shukar he becomes more conscious of the countless ni'mas of Allah Ta'ala he can never count it but he becomes more conscious that I am all the time enjoying the countless bounties and ni'mas of Allah Ta'ala so to the extent that a person becomes more conscious of Allah Ta'ala's bounties this is bound to increase his muhabbat for Allah Ta'ala when a person keeps receiving some gifts from somebody Every day, every other day, the person is coming and dropping off something, coming and bringing some gifts and presents. Whether there is any other interaction or not, but gradually this itself is a means of creating a bond, muhabbat, some relationship, because this is the effect of that hadiyah and that presence. The hadith sharif also, it has been mentioned, tahadaw tahabu, give one another gifts, this will create muhabbat meaning for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala solely to gain the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala and to build that bond and friendship so that hadiyah has that impact and effect so now when a person becomes conscious of the real giver and he becomes conscious that everything is from Allah Ta'ala so this will increase the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala Mashayikh explained that a person should dedicate time dedicate time in the day few minutes, three minutes, five minutes and then gradually increase it in fact and talk to Allah Ta'ala talk to Allah Ta'ala in the manner of bringing to bringing forward the ni'mats and bounties of Allah Ta'ala for example the very ni'mat of Iman on a general note we would have expressed shukar for it and we do express shukar for it but in a more direct manner, in a more concentrated manner that a person now is sitting and he's pondering over this and he's talking to Allah Ta'ala Ya Allah, you bless me with this Iman this is purely your gift, this is purely your bounty, your grace had I not been blessed with this wealth of Iman, where would I have been? people who claim to be very very intelligent, who are the intelligentsia of the world but are many of them deprived of this Iman what they are doing, where they are some of them are bowing down to some 
inanimate object in front of some idol and they are believing that idol to be their deity despite calling themselves such intelligent people but they are bowing to a stone, they are bowing to an idol Ya Allah, you saved me from all that you blessed me with Iman this is only your gift and bounty and had it not been for this blessing that you blessed me with Allah knows best Ya Allah where I would have been now in that manner he is becoming more and more conscious of this ni'mat of Iman and this will build this bond and muhabbat with Allah Ta'ala like that the various other ni'mats of deen and they are not confined to that the physical ni'mats for example so now in some session or some sitting person now is enumerating some of the physical ni'mats Ya Allah this I you bless me with had it not been for this bounty of sight that you bless me with what would have been my condition Ya Allah this I you bless me with I can look into the Quran Sharif I can recite your kalam you bless me with sight I can see the people around me I see my children I see what I want to do where I want to walk had it not been for this blessing of sight where I would have been falling and tripping and hurting myself I would have had such a dark world but Ya Allah you bless me with the sight now when he's repeatedly expressing the shukr for this ni'mat of sight and realizing and consciously bringing to heart and mind that this is purely Allah Ta'ala's gift, Allah Ta'ala's grace if this sight is gone, nobody in the world and everybody put together in the world cannot restore the sight but this is Allah Ta'ala's favor, Allah blessed us with so now on the one side this will develop the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala and then when that temptation is there to misuse that side this will come strongly but after all this is Allah Ta'ala's grace, Allah's ni'mat, Allah's bounty Allah Ta'ala blessed you with such a great bounty and is this the shukr for this bounty? is this the gratitude that you show to Allah Ta'ala for this gift of sight? that will become a barrier between him and the misuse of that sight it will become a means of saving him from using that sight in the way that Allah is displeased because as we discussed that if a person has given somebody a gift and he doesn't like to see the person use it in a wrong way though he gave it away here though Allah gave us this as a gift still Allah is the owner we are not the owners we don't have the right to use it as we please so now when a person becomes conscious with shukr so shukr is a very great ibadat and it is an ibadat veriya ibadat veriya this is such an ibadat that even riya can't find its way into it because at shukr a person is sitting maybe those moments before time before the salah for example so he's sitting now sometimes we have few minutes three minutes five minutes in that time a person one is he's engaging in some ibadat very good alhamdulillah he's making tilawat he's making some zikr and if not then he can easily be at that time engaging his heart in shukr so now he's apparently just sitting but his heart is engaged in deep shukr even riya can't come and interfere with that because nobody can detect what his heart is engaged in if he's performing salah shaitan can bring some waswasa and try to put some waswasa of riya in it he's making tilawa shaitan can come and interfere in that in some way though that waswasa of riya itself is not riya this is a separate topic on its own it's not uh, directly related to what we are discussing but since it's just come in just to touch on it very briefly many people get very perturbed by these thoughts 
The riya is an active intention to do something for other than Allah Ta'ala. To attract somebody's attention, to impress people. And merely the thought of riya which shaitan whispers to try and disturb a person is to be ignored and just turn the attention away from it and re reaffirm the intention that I have to do everything for Allah alone and doing it for anybody or anything this is going to be a destruction for me so it's of no use and everything I have to do for Allah alone merely just reaffirming that intention and continuing that is sufficient so in any case shukr is a very very great ibadat and this brings a person very close to Allah Ta'ala so in this ayat of the Quran Sharif this very first the opening word of the Quran Sharif, there's so much in it and this message of shukr is also given to us here that we should be immersing ourselves in the shukr of Allah Taala. though this itself is such a great ibadat but we are naqis, we are very very deficient so our shukr is also deficient like everything else about us we are deficient in every regard so the kind of shukr we try to make as much as we will try to improve it, it will still be very deficient. So we should be even making istighfar on the deficiency of our shukr too. That Ya Allah, I have not fulfilled any fraction of the right of shukr and therefore Allahumma la nuhsi thana'an alayk anta kama athnayta ala nafsik expressing our inability to fulfill even this ibadat of shukr. That Ya Allah, we can't fulfill the right of this. Any case to take it further, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, that all praise is due to Allah Ta'ala, the Rabb of the worlds. Rabb, Rabb is that being that takes something from its inception right up to its completion in stages. Allah Ta'ala is the Rabb, He nurtures every creation from Allah alone is the creator and then from its inception it's Allah alone that nurtures it. The example was taken previously of that plant that is, that seed that is put into the ground. Insan might think, I planted this. He might even claim it. This is my, how, my planting and my, I planted this tree. But really, that seed also to start off with, nobody can create that seed. Nobody in the whole world, all the machinery and all the technology and everything, and no matter how advanced science has become, but science can't produce a seed. They can go and try and modify something and do whatever they want and destroy it and cause havoc, but they can't produce an original seed. And therefore, presently they say that in the world there's something called seed banks because the original seeds are getting lost, people are contaminating and doing their own things, so as a result the real benefit of the seed is getting lost. So now they have to create seed banks where they try and preserve the original seed. Because nobody can do that. The whole world's technology can't produce it. So, that seed, the person merely with the ability Allah Ta'ala gives him to go and just plant it. Once he buries it in the ground, he has no idea what's happening underneath. How that finally it disintegrates in the ground, but in its disintegration Allah Ta'ala brings that shoot out. And through that hard ground, Allah Ta'ala brings that very soft shoot. That sand is not soft as a shoot, but that very soft shoot comes through that sand. And then from that shoot, all the things that then take place further, 
and the development of it until it starts then becoming a plant and then a tree and then starts flowering and then starts bearing fruit insan doesn't have one fraction of any involvement in it purely Allah Ta'ala's grace he thinks he's watering it and, but he's really that's nothing that he's doing it's all Allah Ta'ala's doing alone now that's one one example of how this nurturing happens insan has got not one iota of any involvement in it not even on an apparent level many things insan seems to be doing apparently here not even on an apparent level insan has any involvement insan the very creation of insan allah taala invites us in the quran sharif of anfusikum afala tubsirun in your own beings yourselves don't you look and don't you ponder and see and reflect on the creation of allah taala that child allah alone creates a child in three darknesses fi zulumatin salas allah taala highlights this in the quran sharif that allah taala created this insan and what is the inception of this insan and from that drop of dirty fluid allah taala fashions and creates this child and then this child comes into the world and then becomes and then through all those various stages when that child is helpless that time too allah taala alone is the one who is nurturing the child the parents the parents are just the merely apparent means of taking care of the child but allah alone is caring and nurturing the child then the child grows and he finally develops into a strong person now he forgets allah tabaraka wa taala fa idha huwa khasimum mubin and he's now he's arguing and he's debating with allah taala that who is his creator he forgot so allah taala is the rabb allah alone is nurturing and alamin the world the, the word is plural it's not singular every world one is the world for example the world of humans the world of animals the world of the jinn the plant kingdom as you call it the world of the plants the world of all the creatures and there are thousands and thousands of such different worlds as we may term them but apart from this allah knows best like we have a world that we live in how many other worlds they may be out there allah knows best so allah is the nurturer of the universe and whatever is insan's knowledge and way beyond his knowledge what insan cannot even fathom all this is the creation of allah taala and allah alone is nurturing it so alhamdulillah rabbil alamin when a person has affirmed that allah alone is the nurturer allah alone is rabb and all praise is due to allah taala so allah alone is worthy of worship this is the first step of iman which is tawhid and the tawhid this is the foundation of the aqida of a mu'min so in the very first line of the quran sharif the aspect of aqida has been established that the aqida of a person has to be in place there is no such thing as anything and everything will do all rivers meet in the ocean is all just fancy statements to confuse to deviate to take a person away from his iman that it doesn't matter who you are and what you believe in because eventually all the rivers meet in the ocean so all will finally get to allah taala it's all just fancy talk with no meaning in it whatsoever totally baseless completely batil complete falsehood there's only one path that leads to allah taala inna ad-din 'inda allah al-islam that the only path to allah taala is the path of islam 
person cannot reach Allah Ta'ala in any other way. And therefore the very first line of the Quran Sharif establishes Aqeedah. That all praise is due to Allah Ta'ala alone, so worship is for Allah alone. And then the Sifat of Allah Ta'ala, just as the Iman and Aqeedah in the being of Allah Ta'ala is necessary, likewise in the attributes of Allah Ta'ala. So two attributes are highlighted hereafter, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Because the Quran Sharif is now being presented to insan, this is Allah Ta'ala's gift to insan for his hidayat and guidance, and this gift to insan and this hidayat is the manifestation of the sifat of Allah's mercy, Allah Ta'ala's rahmat, Allah Ta'ala's unlimited kindness and mercy, this is the manifestation that Allah Ta'ala has presented and has gifted this book of hidayat to insan, that now you can learn the path of guidance and reach guidance and reach the akhirat, reach Allah Ta'ala and enjoy the bounties of Allah Ta'ala in the akhirat in Jannah. So Allah Ta'ala has blessed insan with this path. So the first thing is his aqidah and belief. His belief in Allah Ta'ala must be correct. There must be no deficiency in that aqidah. Because if the aqidah is in, not in order, then all his a'mal are of no benefit. The aqidah is incorrect, the belief is not right, his iman is not in place, then no matter what he does, how much of amal he might do, but that amal is of no benefit to him. وَالَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا أَعْمَالُهُمْ كَسَرَابٍ بِقِيعَةِ يَحْسَبُهُ الظَّمْآنُ مَاءً Allah Ta'ala says those who disbelieve, disbelieving, disbelieving is not, it's not based on total rejection. That a person, al-Iyazu Billah, completely rejects Allah Ta'ala himself, rejects deen, rejects Islam, only then he becomes a disbeliever. A person rejects even one fundamental belief of deen. Like for example, the azab of the qabr. This is a reality, this is established in a absolute manner. So something that is established in a manner of tawatur, in an absolute manner, in a qat'i manner, rejection of that will result in kufr. That is already disbelief. And that already takes a person out of the pale of Islam, out of the fold of Iman. So kufr is not dependent on total rejection. Even rejection of one fundamental belief which is established in an absolute manner, that too will result in kufr. So this is the very, very important and fundamental lesson that our aqidah must be correct. There must be no problem in the aqidah at all. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim Ar-Rahman The mercy of Allah Ta'ala is unlimited. In dunya, the mercy of Allah is all-encompassing. The mercy of Allah encompasses anyone and everyone. وَرَحْمَتِي وَسِعَتْ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ Allah says, my rahmat has encompassed everything. And it is this rahmat of Allah Ta'ala that in dunya, even the disbeliever also eats and drinks. Even the disbeliever, he has many things he benefits from in dunya. Because dunya itself doesn't have any worth in the sight of Allah Ta'ala. If dunya was a thing of value in the sight of Allah Ta'ala, Allah would not have given any disbeliever any benefit of dunya also. So dunya is nevertheless a place of test and the rahmat of Allah is upon everyone and everything 
And nevertheless, the disbeliever also benefits from various things and countless na'mats of Allah Ta'ala. But that is his test now, that does he then find Allah Ta'ala? But then, in akhirat, it is the very intense rahmat. In dunya, it is the encompassing and all the, the vastness of Allah Ta'ala's rahmat. And in akhirat, it is the intensity of the rahmat which will reach those who have iman. It is that intense rahmat of Allah Ta'ala that will then take them to Jannat. The ticket to Jannat is Iman. Without Iman, there is no entry to Jannat. That is Allah Ta'ala's clear declaration. So, this is the highlight of the sifat of Allah Ta'ala, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Thereafter, Allah Ta'ala says, Maliki Yawmiddin, Master of the Day of Judgment. So, a person... Every day he's reciting Suratul Fatiha multiple times, numerous times, every rakat of every salah. He's reciting Suratul Fatiha, reaffirming his iman with Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala, and then bringing starkly in front of him the day of Qiyamah. The Quran Sharif, as mentioned previously, is the book of Hidayat, and Suratul Fatiha is the summary of the entire Quran Sharif. The Quran Sharif, among the themes of the Quran Sharif is Tawheed. So Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen already established Tawheed. And then is Ma'ad, Akhirat, belief in the hereafter. Many ahadith highlight this. Man kana yu'minu billahi wal yawmil akhir. Fal yukrim dhaifa. Man kana yu'minu billahi wal yawmil akhir. Fal yakul khayran awl yasmud. Two things are highlighted in many ahadith as the starting point, as the introduction. If you have Iman in Allah, and if you have Iman in the last day, the last day heralds the Akhirat. So the Iman in Allah and the belief in Akhirat. This is a fundamental belief of a mu'min. Without this belief there is no Iman. And it is this belief of the hereafter that keeps him going forward, that keeps him steadfast that keeps him doing the right things, saves him from doing what Allah is, has forbidden, Allah is displeased with. Why? Because I can get away with things in the dunya, but can I get away with it in the akhirat? I may try to deceive somebody in dunya, but can I deceive Allah Ta'ala and get away in the akhirat? I may try to do somebody down here in dunya, but where am I going to run away in the akhirat? I will hurt somebody here, but will that just escape and just fizzle out? Is there no accountability of the hereafter? So, this is that belief of a mu'min that keeps him conscious, that keeps him steadfast. His love for Allah Ta'ala, that itself keeps him going. If that is weak to some extent, then it is the belief in Akhirat that will strengthen him, that will keep him going forward. So, Maliki Yawmiddin, the master of the day of judgment. In dunya, insan outwardly seems to be the owner of things, having some outward control on certain things he seems to be the owner of certain things so in dunya outwardly all these things carry on sometimes the person even calls himself he is the master of this and that but when it comes to the day of qiyamah nobody will have any kind of apparent control over everything anything also in dunya that apparent control is only apparent control but outwardly it seems this person is controlling this that person controlling that but in Akhirat, on the day of Qiyamah, Akhirat, nobody is controlling nothing besides Allah Ta'ala. Only Allah Ta'ala controls everything. Nobody has even an iota of apparent control. 
So Allah is reminding us, Allah alone is the master and the owner and the controller of the day of judgment. So therefore, we have to be conscious of this day of judgment, conduct ourselves in a way that on that day, we do not fall into trouble and get into the problem because of how we conducted ourselves in dunya. So that belief in akhirat is what keeps a mu'min conscious of Allah Ta'ala as well and conscious of how he conducts himself. Inshallah we'll continue. Wa akhiru da'wana alayhamdulillah.